Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Praise God. I tried back after the end of the fall harvest to do two different series that I had on my heart to do, but God had something different. Amen. This morning, I'm going to start something that we may go months into this. But the Lord spoke to me during the week in prayer, and he said this. He said, now lean heavily upon your strength. Now, when he said that to me, I knew exactly what he was talking about. When he said, lean heavily upon your strength, every minister should have a strength in ministry. That means that's a subject that they teach, a subject that they live by, a subject they continually study, and a subject that's continually growing in them. Anybody know what that subject would be with me? Faith, the subject of faith. So we're going to get into faith. You say, now why? Pastor, you teach on faith all the time. Well, we're really going to go after it now. One reason is God wants you to receive on a level you've never received before. Let me say that again. God wants you to receive on a level you've never received, whether it's healing or prosperity, whether it's a breakthrough in your life, a deliverance, whatever it may be, God wants you to understand the simple precepts and principles of faith so that you can receive on a level you've never received before. Secondly, God wants us to grow up in faith, to mature in faith. The days ahead for us as believers are going to demand faith in our lives. We need faith to grow this church. We need faith to build this building. We need faith to evangelize the world. We need faith to evangelize our area. We need faith to do everything that God's called us to do. Therefore, we're going to study it. We're going to dig into it. I'm telling you, we're going to take the top off the mountain. We're going to get down to where the the vein of gold is, and we're going to mine some gold, some things that are very valuable and precious in the Word of God, and we're going to help you in your faith. Lee and I began uh, to be 35 years this this uh, August, that we just stepped out and made a decision. We're going to live by faith, totally live by faith. Now, that does, listen, a lot of people hear that and they, they try to, you know, uh, think of some weird way of living. Listen, we still work hard in ministry. We still have a lot of activity in our lives. But living by faith is literally living with a total dependency upon God for everything in your life. You say, well, pastor, that's easy for preachers to do. They don't have to go to work. Listen, you can have a business, you can have a job, you can be a student, whatever it is in your life, that can be you, and you can live by faith, totally dependent upon God. I had to do that when I was a student. I was never a good student in school. I was just distracted, amen? And then, you know, I began to uh, do some exploration with chemicals and things and got even more distracted. (laughs) somebody asked me one time, did you experiment with drugs when you were young? I said, nope, I was into total investigation. (laughs) Amen. Uh, You know, I was a solid, you know, um, C minus, D plus. (laughs) And if I got a B, man, my parents would celebrate when I got a B. And, And it wasn't because I was stupid, I just was distracted. You know how that goes. But anyway, when I entered into Bible school, I, had, I was in a dilemma. I had teachers that were, had doctorates of divinity. I had teachers that were very disciplined in their study. And I struggled until by faith I learned to be a good student. And I've been a good student ever since. I actually got in my, in my office a, a certificate that I got for scholastic achievement because by the end of the year I made straight A's in school. Straight A's as a Bible school. So if you're going to excel, thank God for math, reading, writing, arithmetic, history. But if you're going to excel, excel in the Word of God. Amen? So we're going to get into some things, share the Word of God, give you revelation in the Word that will help you, share experiences that will touch your heart and literally inspire you to step out and live a life of faith. Everything that Lee and I have, everything that we do, everything that we possess, the total essence of our life, everything that we are, we have by faith. Literally, from the fillings in our teeth to the socks on our feet. All of it's been obtained by faith. Ministry, we've seen great crowds, tremendous healings, powerful outpourings of the Holy Ghost, revival in two different areas on the earth in which God allowed us to participate in. 
grace of God, mercy of God, compassion of God, you name it. We've seen God be real big in our lives when it comes to faith. But let me tell you, God has greater things for us ahead. He's got greater things for Lee and I as pastors of Island Church, greater things for you, greater things for your family, your business, at your job, you name it. The greatest and the best is right in front of us, not behind us. Amen? In Jesus' name. Now, I invite you real quick in your Bibles. Now listen, this is going to be your opportunity to take notes. To I mean, if I were teaching a Bible school, this is how I would do it. I would begin like this, and I'm going to go line upon line, precept upon precept, everything that I know by faith, everything I've proved by faith, revelation from the Word of God, all the principles of faith, all the stories in the Bible, the great stories of the Bible that have to do with faith. We're going to just get into faith till we are so saturated with faith. Instead of saying, hello, we're going to say faith. Glory to God, faith. Amen? <laughs> now, you go, everybody go to Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm going to start over in Habakkuk. I'm going to read a few scriptures here. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is filled up, is not, excuse me, behold his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. But, everybody say but, the just shall live by faith. Everybody say it with me. The just shall live by faith. Say it again. The just shall live by faith. Now, another scripture over in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of, of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek or the Gentile. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Everybody say it again. The just shall live by faith. Now, over in Hebrews, we're there in chapter 11, chapter 10. Real quick before we go to chapter 10, I'm excuse me, chapter 11. Chapter 10, verse 35, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience after that you have done the will of God that you might receive the promise. For a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now notice this. But the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Now, notice the phrase. There's actually four other references in the Word of God, seven times in the Word, in which it is said, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Actually, a better way to say it is this. Those that are justified shall live by faith. Now, that literally puts a demand upon us just for a moment to declare what justification means, what it is. Okay, pastor, I'm justified. What does that mean? Now, for a moment in your imagination, see yourself in a court of law. In a court of law, there's a judge. There is a prosecuting attorney. There is a defense attorney. Amen. And you are guilty. Without a shadow of a doubt, you are guilty. Everybody got the picture in your head? And the prosecuting attorney is the devil, the accuser of the brethren. But your advocate or defense attorney is Jesus Christ, who is the son of the judge. And as the prosecuting attorney brings charges against you, they are men and women of iniquity. And because of their iniquity, which is their motivation to sin, they have committed trespass. They've drank, they've smoked, they've done promiscuous things with their bodies. And he goes on and on and on and on. In the midst of it, your advocate or defense attorney gets up and interrupts them. And he says this, Yeah, they may have done all of that, but I am here to take their penalty so that I might grant them my innocence. 
Oh, you missed a good opportunity to shout. He said, I'm here to take their judgment. I'm here to take their punishment. I'm here to take their penalty so that I can give them my innocence, my righteousness, and my justification. Therefore, they do not have to stand before you and plead their case. I have already pleaded their case for them. When you see them, Heavenly Father, you see me. You are the just. I say you are the just. So God says, okay, now you're just. So you're going to have to live by this thing called faith. Now let me help you real quick. There was no faith movement. There is no faith. Well, Pastor, I I don't want us going back into the faith movement. There was no faith movement. Men like Brother Hagen, Brother Copeland, uh, Teal Osborne, Oral Roberts, R.W. Shambach, Brother Osteen, you name all those great, quote, giants of faith. And they'll be the first ones to tell you, there is no faith movement. There is faith in God. It is a basic doctrine of Christ as is declared in Hebrews chapter 6. Faith in God. We are demanded by God to walk in faith. Faith is a force. Faith is a conduit. Faith is that which causes us to tap into what God has already provided for us. Grace has given it. Faith appropriates. Now let me give you an example. Say we're we're holding a, uh, we're conducting an evangelistic meeting. Maybe one of our in-house evangelists, maybe somebody like Christopher Alam has come. And so we have him in the pulpit for three nights doing solely an evangelistic uh, uh, outreach. You know, uh, 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 advertising in the community. Everybody's inviting their friends that are not saved. So he gets up and every night we've got a full house and he's preaching this great salvation message. And so he gives every night an altar call, an opportunity for people to come up and get born again. Amen? Everybody with me? Now, there's 20, there's 30, there's 40, there's 50 people standing up here. Now, I guarantee you, Christopher would not pray this prayer. Oh, Lord, you see the hungry souls in front of you, and we've come before you tonight preaching the gospel, and we ask that now, somehow in heaven, would you come down and save each and every one of these? Please, Lord, they're sincere in their beliefs. They're inspired by what we preached They don't want to go to hell. They want to go to heaven. So can some way in your great sovereignty, could you come down tonight and save these men and women? Now that may sound very religious to pray something like that, but it's totally unnecessary. You say, why? Salvation is already provided. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But it also says in Ephesians chapter 2, it's by grace that you are saved Through faith. One translation says, grace is the mighty power. Faith is what taps in to turn that power on in your life. It's not of works. It is a gift of God, least any man or woman should both. That means both the faith and the grace are what? A gift from God. Now we've used this illustration before. I think it bears repetition. Because it helps you to understand that most of the Christian world does not understand the concept of faith. They use the word faith as an adjective in order to add to a particular way of belief. Of what, quote, faith are you? Are you a Baptist? Are you a Methodist? Are you an Episcopalian? Are you a Catholic? Are you a Pentecostal? Are you a Mormon? Are you a Jehovah's Witness? So anything that has anything to do with, with God or with Jesus or the Bible, they try to tack the word faith onto, thinking that faith is a descriptive term that kind of separates and segregates us. That has nothing to do with the word faith. I said that that has nothing to do with the word faith. Faith is not just what we believe. Faith is also how we believe what we believe. God wants to impart to us faith so that we can tap into the vast reservoir of what's already been supplied so that as we live by faith, pray by faith, Walk by faith, worship by faith, give by faith, preach by faith, do everything by faith. God is approving of our obedience, behavior, and activity and releases His favor upon our lives. Amen? You know, at a time, this is amazing. Think about this. 
at a time in which churches are shutting down in mass. One particular uh, city, it's up on the East Coast. I heard the, test, the, the report the other day. There were five mega churches, churches with over 5,000, each one with over 5,000 members. Five of them shut down in one week, padlocked their door and put uh, 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 for sale signs on their building or foreclosure signs. The bank were foreclosing on two of them. Other three were putting for sale. They just shut church down altogether. Now think about this. At a time in which ministry is being suppressed, uh, gathering together like this is being looked down upon, uh, people are afraid. All kinds of things are going on. You're in a church that's going to build a building, that's going to evangelize the world. Come on, church. That's going to continue the ministry that was began here 19, coming up on 19 years ago, doing everything God's called us to do. We're not backing up. We're not quitting. We're not putting a you know, out-of-business sign on the door. We're actually increasing everything we do, and we're doing everything we can do to, divide, to define the vision as we go into 2021 for the, one of the greatest years we've ever had up until this point. You say, how are you doing that? We're doing it by faith. Just a little example. This year financially, I went back and looked over the last eight years. This year, financially, for us will be the third highest year of the last eight years. It will be the highest year in the last five. In a year in which most churches are only receiving 20 to 30% of their income. I don't think you're getting that. Amen. I mean, we're going, to do, we're going to do a lot. Everybody say a lot. I mean, it's amazing how God has blessed Island Church. We have money in the bank, money in all of our accounts. Our bills are paid. Our employees are blessed. We've got money in our building fund account. We've got money in our missions account. God is blessing Island Church. You say, why? Because we're walking by faith. Now, what's unique to us, because we've started a little series on Wednesday night on spirit, soul, and body. And there are three types of faith. I like to call them the three types of of faith identified with the characters of the Bible. There's Thomas's faith, which is the faith of the flesh. Amen. Then there's, then there's Naaman. How many remember Naaman? Naaman was a leper there in, in, in 2 Kings uh, chapter 5, and he had to go down to the prophet's house. Then the prophet, prophet went out, and uh, excuse me, the servant of the prophet went out and told him, go dip in the Jordan River uh, seven times and you'll be healed. Now, there's 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 Thomas's faith, how many remember Thomas, doubting Thomas, he got his name correctly, he was a doubter, amen. And then there's Naaman's faith, then there's Abraham's faith. Now Thomas's faith is fleshly or physical. Thomas said this, nope, unless I put my finger in the holes in his hand or into his side, I'm not going to believe, amen. So he had to have the testimony of his senses, that kind of faith doesn't please God at all. Then there was Naaman's faith. Naaman said this, when that servant came out and said, go dip in the Jordan River seven times, Naaman said this, wait a minute, I thought. So Naaman had, where, where, where Thomas had flesh faith, Naaman had soulish faith, or faith in his intellect, faith in his thinking. But then there was Abraham's faith. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 4 that he was fully persuaded that what God had promised he was also able to perform. Now listen to that again. He was what? Fully persuaded that what God had promised. So God's promises have the ability to fully persuade you. Fully persuade you of what? Whatever you believe in God for. Healing, financial breakthrough. You've got to understand that living in the promises of God will fully persuade you. I don't care if you've been living with a sickness or disease for 40 years. I knew a pastor that lived with diabetes for 35 years. And after 35 years, he was like this. Nope, I'm not doing this anymore. So you know what he did? He began to dig into the promises of God. And in about a six to seven week period, he ended up healed. We had a man that used to come to the church. He used to sing on the platform. What was his name? Big Mike. Big Mike. He, used to, you never, he sang in the early services. Most of these, you know, really wasn't, uh, 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 wasn't real flamboyant or nothing, but he had diabetes. And he had it pretty good. And he'd had it for, what was it, 20 years. And he said he had gone to the doctor's appointment when the doctor sat him down and said this. Now, this is going to be the next 10 years of your life, and this is how this disease is going to devastate your body. And he began to talk about him going blind. He began to talk about the appendages of his body beginning to lose their feeling. He began to talk about heart disease. And he, Mike, Mike actually said, he gave the testimony standing here in the pulpit. He said, it scared me. 
He said, it scared me. He said, I didn't want the next 10 years of my life to be like that. He's, this is what he said. I never forget him. He sat right here and gave me. He said, for the next six weeks, I came and I listened to Pastor Rusty teach. And I listened to him teach and I listened to him teach and I listened to him teach until one Sunday I knew that was my Sunday to go up and have hands laid on me. He said, I went up and I had hands laid upon me. He said, I was not healed instantaneously, but all of a sudden a process began at that altar. He said, I went out. He said, I lost weight. He said, I changed my diet. He said, I began every day to claim the promises of God. Now, he went back to the doctor. The doctor said, we can't find any diabetes. And everybody could say this. Well, that's great. Pastor, it's because he changed his diet he did this. But hold on. They asked him if they could do an examination. Because his first examination showed extreme damage in some of the organs of his body because of the disease. And this is what the doctor said. He said, not only can we not find the disease, he said, all of the damage that was done has been fixed and you're totally whole. Amen. Now that didn't just come through the laying on of hands or the ministering of the, uh, of the power of God when it came to... That came through faith. Faith in the Word. Faith in God's healing power. Faith in the wisdom of God to make the adjustments you need to make in your lifestyle so that you can be whole like God wants you to be whole. And there's nothing impossible with God if you will believe Him by faith to receive it. You can be free of anything. At any time in life. Ought to get a better amen. Hebrews 11. I've got just a few minutes. We'll start this and then we're going we're gonna to get on this and we're going to dig in it. Now faith, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now listen to that. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For those that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now listen to that scripture again. But without faith, it is impossible to believe God. Now people will say, they say, oh pastor, you know, we watch you and you talk about faith and you speak faith and you act in faith. But you know, listen, we're, just, we're out there just trying to live, work our jobs, run our business. You don't expect us to live like that. I absolutely do. Do you want God's best? Amen. I do not like to see the people that come to Island Church sick in their body, broke down financially, oppressed by devils, tormented by addictions. I do not like that at all. That, that, that stirs me up. I want to teach and preach and prophesy and minister till everything the devil's tried to destroy your life with is gone and you are living a life of faith, receiving everything that God says belongs to you. Amen. Let me say something. Faith is the greatest adventure. It's the greatest. I've taught faith all over the world. I mean, I, I didn't go to a lot of nations. I think, I think 19. We went to uh, Tanzania, Africa uh, two years ago, three years this, this uh, Christmas, three years ago. So that made the 19th nation that we've been into. Many states, I believe about 20, 22 states here in the United States. But everywhere we went when we were in field ministry, at one time or another, because most of the churches we went back to several times, we taught faith. We taught faith. We taught faith. We taught faith line upon line, precept upon precept. Everything we could get, everything we could glean from other ministers, everything we could dig out of the Word of God for ourselves, we taught it, we lived it, we taught it, we lived it, we taught it, we lived it, and we're still living it today, expecting the greatest rewards of faith being right in front of us right now. 
Notice how the whole world says everything's just going to, going to hell on a skateboard. You know, everything's just, this all this, and then the government and the world and the, and the world system's coming the, and the devil's on the loose and this and that. But in the midst of it, God's got a people that aren't going to quit, that aren't going to back off, that are going to be what? Now, if it says without faith, it is impossible to please God, that must mean faith pleases God. So we want our faith to do what? To please God. I, I've noticed over the past Years that we've been a church, man, we've been a, it's like we've been in a faith fight for going on 19 years. I mean, we'll build up a congregation. The devil come and will attack. Storms will attack. We lost a third of the congregation in Ike. Third of the people just that. I mean, your job's gone, your house gone. What you going to do? Amen. COVID comes. We've got about, oh, I say we're better than most churches. We probably got close to 60% of our church that's actually coming to services now. And then many others that are watching us on the internet. But there's always been something just attacking and grinding and eating away. But we've kept moving forward. We keep going. We keep the vision fresh. And listen, here's the deal. We're going to build that building. We're going to go to the place God wants us to go. And we're going to see the harvest of God on this island come in and in this area and every place else in the world that we go, we're going to see it. How are we going to see it? We're going to see it through the eyes of faith. Then it's going to happen in our lives in Jesus' name. Now, if faith pleases God, that means every expression of our lives spiritually must have an element of faith. We pray by faith. We praise by faith. We worship by faith. We give by faith. We receive by faith. We evangelize by faith. We do children's ministry by faith. We do, we, do, we do sound by faith. We usher by faith. We greet by faith. Everything we do, we do with that element of faith in it. That's why we have to have, now listen, an understanding of faith. Now let me, let me say that again. We must have as a people, as God's children, not an explanation that satisfies the intellect but an understanding that makes faith operable, working, alive, living, so that faith can bring into our lives that which God says we already have. Now listen, if God says you're healed, don't you want to be healed? If God says He'll supply all you need, don't you want your needs supplied? If God says He hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind, don't you want that sound mind to get rid of fear? Amen. Uh, if God says that who the Son sets free is free indeed, don't you want to be free? Free from fear, free from agitation, free from anger, free from turmoil, free from hate, free from free from every negative expression of humanity. Don't you want to be free from that and free to serve God by faith? Amen. Now, back up into verse 1 and we'll, we'll, we'll in, uh, close with this because if we get into it too deep, we'd be here all afternoon. Maybe we should be. Now, Verse 1, Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So the Word of God explains how God wants us to see faith. Not how some denomination wants us to see it, not how some preacher wants us to see it, but how God wants us to see it. Now, if verse 6 says, without faith it is impossible to please Him, then if God did not give us a working understanding of faith so that it could operate in our life, he'd be an unjust God. He said, I want you to have faith, but I'm not going to give you any idea what faith is. So what is faith? Well, I'm not going to tell you, but you've you got to have it to please me. Well, then it'd be unjust. Amen? But God's not unjust. The Bible is full of faith. All kinds of stories in the Bible. Faith is just interwoven into everything. Man, the Gospels, you know, people talk about, because this is the idea of Christian religion. The idea of Christian religion is this. Oh, there's a God. Oh, and He loves you. God is love. But whether He ever does anything or not is really based upon His own sovereignty. He may do something for, for, for Frank or for Roy or He may do something for, uh, for Breland. But He, you know, whether He does anything for you or not, well, that's, that's, that's really... In his own sovereignty. He'll decide that in his own sovereignty. Well, if that, if that was true, we'd all be in trouble. Amen? That actually does away with the doctrine of Calvinism or predestination. Oh, there's one over here that God will heal, one over here that God will save, one over here that God will prosper. But the rest of you, you're just kind of on your own. 
But all through the gospel, especially the gospels, there were those men and women of faith. The centurion, great is your faith. The Syrophoenician woman, great is your faith. Uh, uh, the woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made you whole. The, the one leper that returned, go, your faith has made you whole. So Jesus spent a lot of time identifying people who he did not seek out to heal or bless. They sought him out to be healed or blessed. Are you with me? And by faith, they received from him. It's the same way today. Jesus is just waiting for you to get in faith. And he'll release everything he has into your life by faith. Now, notice this again. Faith is what? It is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Let's read it to the Amplified. Let's do the Amplified. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation. I like this. The title deed. Now, if you've got the title deed, you've got it. Amen. I mean, if you go down and buy me a, a new car at Classic, you go down to Classic, you buy me a brand new car, and you say, now, Pastor Rusty, your car is at Classic, but we brought you the title deed. So you give me the title deed, got my name, got the price, got paid stamped on it. Are you with me? All I've got to do is what? Act on the information you've given. If I just, well, I go home, you know, I, I, I go take a nap. I come to prayer tonight. I get up tomorrow, go through my Monday routine. Tuesday, I've got to go to, to, to Rockport, do a, do a funeral. So Tuesday, I drive back on Tuesday night, you know, to, to make it to prayer. And, and, and I pull up and, and you're like, where's your new car? Where's your new car? Well, uh, it's down there at Classic. You mean it's still there? You didn't go get it? Well, no, I got, I, no I've been busy. You know, I, I, I went, see, that's how we are with faith many times. Well, I've been distracted. I've been busy. I, uh, well, well, it's paid for. It's down there on the lot. Why don't you go get it? You got the title deed. See, all I have to do is go down to Classic, present the title deed, and they got to give me the car. But it was mine before I went to Classic because I had the title deed. Faith is your title deed. Healing, prosperity, breakthrough, blessing, whatever you need from God, you've already got the title deed. You just need to know how to act upon it. Amen? You can only act on the knowledge that you have. A lot of people's problem in receiving from God is they know that they need to act, but their action is so limited it's not appropriating that which faith supplies. Therefore, you need further information or revelation from the Word so that your act of faith can bring into your life that which God says belongs to you already. Now, faith is what? Title deed. Everybody say title deed. Say title deed. Of things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not yet, now notice this, revealed to the senses. Listen to it in the Passion. Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Do you get that? It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Now when you begin to realize, the, the, the illustration I've used over the years, because we're so attuned to our senses, what we see, what we hear, what we taste, what we touch, what we smell, that I searched for oh, a couple of years and just thinking and praying, what would be an illustration? How can you bring something spiritual? How can you bring a natural illustration that will help people understand this is how faith really works? Now your senses, is, senses what are they? They're contact mechanisms. You know, if I, if I keep walking, I can see that pose there. I shouldn't walk into it. Amen? I mean, I can see it's there. But if I keep walking, I get to the point where not only I can see it, I can feel it. There's two witnesses. There's a pole there. Now, if I can see it and I can feel it and I still walk into it, that's pretty stupid. My senses are telling me there's a pole there. There's a pole there. There's a pole there. You'd probably start hollering if I bumped. There's a pole there, Pastor. Don't run into the pole. Now, senses do what? They contact the realm of the sensual. You can smell. You can hear. You can see. You can touch. You can taste. Now, let's just... For, for the sake of illustration, 
let's look at faith as a spiritual sense. Everybody say sense. Now, the only sense I could really come up with of, of hearing and, and tasting and seeing is the sense of smell. Because the sense of smell contacts many times things that are unseen. You kind of like smell that, you can't see it, but you're like, whew. Or you're like, whew, that smells good, you know. <laughs> Maybe I ought to come over here and smell, huh? <laughs> Amen. So just, just, just I, I use Frank and Joanna as a, because it's her birthday. So we use Frank and Joanna as an illustration. So Frank and I are out running around, hanging out. And so it's Friday, and, and every Tuesday, Joanna's at home, she's not at work, and she always makes lunch for Frank. Now, we're out running around. Usually lunch is ready at about, you know, 1 o'clock. So as we're out running around, it gets to be about 12.45, and Frank looks at me, hey, hey Rusty, you want to go, uh, go have some lunch at the house? Joanna always makes lunch for me on Friday. And then he says this. He says, now, I don't know what she's making today, but now Joanna makes the best chicken enchiladas this side of Guadalajara. And then he begins to describe them. And, you know, it's, it's, it talks about the cheese and the, and the chicken, how she does the chicken and the tortillas and the sauce. And, she, and so Frank is, Frank is giving me hope. <laughs> so we're driving toward their house, and I'm hoping. You know, it's not peanut butter and jelly. You know, it's not, you know, a bowl of cereal. It's going to be chicken enchiladas. Are you with me? Everybody hoping with me now. Now hope's coming from what? Hope's coming from the communication that I'm having with Frank. He's telling me, oh, I'm telling you, these are the best. I'm telling you, they are the greatest. Nobody makes them better. I've eaten them all over them. Now this is the best. And so we're driving, and we pull up into the driveway, and it's one of those fall or winter days in which a cold front is blown through. And sure enough, Joanna, she's in the kitchen, and she's cooking chicken enchiladas with all the everything that Frank was talking about and so as we walk up into the driveway she's got the kitchen window open and the, and the wind is blowing in and blowing that smell right down the driveway so we get out of the car I'm coming around the front of the car and Frank goes like this oh yeah what is it Frank smell that I go ooh that smells good and Frank says this that's those chicken enchiladas now let me ask you a question at that point, do you think, in my mind, there would be any question that we're having chicken enchiladas? Why not? I haven't eaten them, haven't seen them, hadn't walked into the kitchen, hadn't seen them in the pan, hadn't seen them on the plate, hadn't taken one bite of a chicken enchilada. Are you with me? Are you with me? But now I'm totally assured, totally assured, what he had put hope in me about was now mine because I can smell it. Let that sink in a minute. Now, you get somebody, let's just take the most basic, greatest miracle anyone ever received, salvation. What's the big fear of humanity? Is there a life after death? Is heaven real? Is hell real? Am I going to live 70, 80, 90, 100 years and then all of a sudden shut my eyes and it just be black and I never, never exist again? Or will I open my eyes and be in a place of horrible torment? Or will I open my eyes and, and be in some type of a paradise? They have no information. They have no hope. They have no hope. So they come to Island Church. And they see the spirit of the church. They, they sense the presence of God. They hear the worship. They hear the praise. And all of a sudden, what begins to happen? They begin, it's like Frank telling me about the enchiladas. They begin to hope. Maybe there is a God. Look how these people are acting. Their hands are right. Well, that one over there, there's tears rolling down their face. Well, look at that one over there. Their face is just beaming as they worship. All of a sudden, what happens? Hope begins to rise. Then I get up. And I preach the word. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And while they're sitting back there with their spirit, they do this. I can be saved. I don't have to go to hell. There is a heaven. I will not close my eyes one day and live in the blackness of a grave with non-existence. There's a heaven. 
So I give an altar call and they do what? They respond just like I would have responded by doing what? Sitting down at the table at the Padilla's house, being served the enchiladas and enjoying that which I hoped for that I knew before I saw it was mine. Same thing's true of healing, deliverance, everything that God wants you to have. He wants you to, oh yeah, healing. But your body says you're still, you just got to keep smelling that smell of healing. Oh yeah, prosper. I ain't got two nickels to rub together, but oh yeah, my God supplies all of my need. Oh, you got to build that building, $5 million. Oh, how are you going to build that $5 million building? Oh, yeah, nothing's impossible with God. Nothing's impossible. Jesus said he would build the church. He would build the church. And the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Amen? Amen? Faith is that simple. Now, the Roman road for salvation, Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you will believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. But the next verse, 10, 9, and 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Now listen. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, this is the simplicity of our faith. God said that our human bodies and our soul, which is our mind, our emotions, and our will, are what? Gloriously and wondrously made. How many would agree? You've got systems that run your physical and mental being. You've got your cardiovascular system. That has to do with your heart, your, your blood, the way it's pumped, the way it moves around your body. You have your nervous system. has to do with different things in your body, the way you know uh, uh, your body moves, all that type of thing. You've got your digestive system that has to do with how you process and digest food. You have, you have all of your little organs, your eyes. That's your, your visual system, your ears, your audio system. You've got all of these systems, and all of them are very, very intricate very complicated, and you don't want anybody working on them that don't know what they're doing. Amen? I mean, I've, I've cleaned a lot of fish and a lot of ducks and a lot of deer, but you don't want me cracking your chest open. Yeah, you'd be in trouble. But there are people out there that are experts. They can do heart surgery. They can do all these wonderful things medically. Amen? They're very familiar with the very, and they're always learning. They're constantly advancing. They're all very familiar with the very complicated systems of the human body and mind. But now the spirit realm or the belief system of the human being is very simple. It's made up of two components. What you believe in your heart and what you confess with your mouth. It is not unique to Christianity or a movement, faith movement. No, it's not. It is unique to humanity. And all of humanity, there is a belief system and there are people that have used it without being saved, without knowing God that we know of. They may know God, but it's been you. My, my, the illustration I've always used because I saw a, docu a documentary on him was, was uh, Michael Jordan, the basketball player. They started with his 7th grade coach, who was his 7th and 8th grade coach, his high school coach that coached him, coached him through uh, 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 high school, 9th, 10th, 11th grade, his college coach at, at North Carolina, I think it was at North Carolina, his college coach, he was there four years, and then his coach when he played for the Bulls in Chicago. Now, his seventh grade coach said this. He said it was an amazing thing. He said this little nappy-headed boy came into the gym bouncing a basketball. And he said he had this kind of look about him, and he said this. I'm going to be the greatest player the NBA has ever seen. He said that's what he said. He said, and he would bounce that ball and make shots, bounce that ball. He said he really wasn't good enough to start on my team. He said I played him, but he wasn't good enough. Started as an eighth grader. High school coach said, not till his junior year. This is what his high school coach said. He said, I had guys on my team with more talent, but I didn't have anyone with more heart. Because he just kept saying and bouncing that ball, I'm going to be the greatest basketball player the NBA has ever seen. I'm going to be the greatest basketball player the world has ever seen. I'm going to be. Now listen, him saying it was empowering him to believe it. And at the end of his career, what did he become for most people? The greatest basketball player the NBA has ever seen. Why? Why? A belief system in operation. 
Now, if that can happen, I, there, there was a guy, there's a, I, most of you are not familiar with, with bull riding. I like to keep up with it. I'm actually, your pastor is actually a voting member of the uh, Bull Riders Hall of Fame. I just sent my ballot in for this year. Actually, last year, somebody I nominated got voted into the Hall of Fame. But there was a, a guy back in, I think, 2013, 2015, he won two world championships bull riding, the PBR, which is, that's the, that's the top level. And all the bull riders of today have become professional athletes. I mean, they go to the gym, they work out, they have a stringent diet, they do all this kind of stuff, except this guy. This guy was just kind of a cowboy, smoked cigarettes. You see him, thought, see him staring around, there's a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. His name is J.B. Mooney. And Jabe, they asked him, how did you, how can you ride? He was such a, he rode all of the top, all of the top bulls. Now, the way he became champion was he stood on top of a basketball. That's all he did. He stood on top of a basketball. Try it sometime. And he would stand for hours. And he would say, I'm going to win a world title. I'm gonna win. Well, he won two. I'm going to win a world title. I'm going to win a world title. He stood on that basketball. I'm gonna win. And he'd frustrate all those guys in the gym. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And he'd go out there and just, just ride the hair off these bulls. He, was, he got so proficient when he was at the top of his game that he broke his riding arm. He was left-handed. He broke his, I mean, broke it in a cast. And he won an event with his other arm. That's pretty good. But how did he do it? His belief system. Now, if a human belief system can make someone the greatest player in the NBA, can win somebody world bull riding, what can a belief system empowered by the Word of God do? That gives you an idea of the potential that you have in your life. But you have to be willing to do what? To learn about how your belief system works when it comes to the subject of faith. How do you believe in your heart? How do you confess with your mouth? How do you get faith to get into your heart? How do you explore the vastness of the wealth that God has placed in His Word? How do you develop a vision for your life? How do you do all of these things that faith appropriates because grace has already given it to you? Grace is out there going, come and get it. Come and get it. Come and get it. And as it says, come and get it and invites you to enjoy the fullness of God, faith says, I'll help you do it. I'll help you get it. I'll help you believe in your heart. I'll help you confess with your mouth. I'll give you not the word of man. I'll give you the word of God. And it will empower you not to be a natural person of fleshly faith or soulish faith, but of spiritual faith. And nothing will be impossible to you. Amen. I believe we are a generation that's going to explore some of the depths of faith that other generations have only dreamed of. I believe that we'll see the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit in operation, the fullness of ministry gifts flowing, and the full potential of what God can do. Not, not when everything is good, not when everything, economies are way up. and every, No, I'm telling you, at a time in which everything in the world says, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it, God will say, watch my kids, watch my children, as they by faith evangelize the world, see revival, see great awakening, and do what God's called them to do. Amen? It's going to be fun. I said, it's going to be fun. You're going to learn. Everybody say, I'm going to learn. Say, I'm going to learn. In Jesus' name, amen. God is so good. Stand on your feet. Glory to God. Everybody right with God today. If you're right with God, shout, say, hallelujah. I'm right with God. I'm going to stay right. <laughs> Glory to God. Quickly, every head bowed, let me make sure. If you're here, say, Pastor, I didn't do that. I didn't shout I was right with God because I'm not. Maybe you've never been born again. Make Jesus your Lord. You can be religious all day long, die and go to hell. It's by faith we're saved. By grace we're saved through faith. If you're here today, say, Pastor, I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. I need to get right with God or I need to get saved. If that's you, lift your hand. Anybody at all? Let's just make sure. I don't want to be there at judgment time and you look at me and say, he didn't give an altar call. Well, I did. Amen. You love the Lord? You have a great week of faith? Let me remind you, we have prayer tonight at 730. We'd love for you to come pray with us as we continue to stand in faith for what God has spoken to us as a church and for what we believe God will do. Amen. Praise God. Father, thank you so much for today. By faith, we leave our faith in your word for protection and safety during the week from anything anything that would try to harm us. We thank you, Father. According to Psalms 91, no evil befalls us. 
No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. No epidemic, no pandemic, no flu, no cold, no corona. We resist and stand against it in Jesus' name. We walk on serpents, scorpions, over all power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm us. Father, we thank you that as we leave today, all of our travel is protected. The highways, airways, seaways, railways, any other type of travel for work or recreation, thank you, Father. We're protected by the mighty angels of God. Lord, we thank you in the righteous labor of our hands. We know there are men and women. They work out in the ocean. They have their careers out there. Others at the, at the, at the vast medical center, thank you for your protection upon them. Others in education, teachers, students, administrators. Others, Lord, that work up in the, in the large chemical and oil refineries up in Texas City. Others that have their own business. Those in retail, those in construction. All the men and women of our congregation, Father, that work and handle the resources of God. We thank you that there's no evil plans of wicked men, nor the devil himself. No accident, no trauma, no terror in the name of Jesus shall come upon us. Thank you, Father, for a spirit of evangelism that by faith our lives will literally manifest the presence of God. By faith our loved ones will be saved. By faith our neighbors will hear the gospel. By faith we'll evangelize this island, this county, and everywhere else in the world you send us. Thank you that we'll be the answer to people's prayer. The problem, a problem to the adversary, a miracle in people's lives. Father, we leave today walking in faith and love towards you. In love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.